Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Christian De La Huerta, author, TEDx speaker, personal transformation coach. Welcome to the show, Christian. Hey, AJ. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Appreciate the, uh, the invitation. Thank you for coming in, Christian. So the topic today is how to stop cheating yourself and selling out on your personal power. You are a master on this topic. You talk about it. You have given several talks on this, TEDx speaker. And you also talk to a lot of clients that you have. So what does it exactly mean? Can you explain it for the general audience? Yeah, let's let's start by saying that most of us have an ambivalent, I would even say conflicted relationship to power. Like part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think what we fear, like you know, I've been doing retreats on this topic topic for for 10 years on this topic alone. I've been doing coaching and retreats for 30 years. Um, but what I think we fear is that if we really step into our power, into all of who we are, if we bead all of who we are, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up rejected and alone. And who wants that? I think we also fear, AJ, that that we might abuse it. And, and no wonder. Like All we got to do is watch the news or or look at the headlines online any given day to witness at least one abuse of power. And then add to that, the fact that we have been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing, that power corrupts, and, and, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. Right. And why they didn't tell us about that is that Lord Acton, who said those words, was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power. So when you add to the mix too, that we've been conditioned to, to believe that the emotions are weakness, that, that we hate confrontation, we avoid conflict. What happens is that we give, up, give away our power, our innate, inherent power that nobody can give to us, nobody can take away. We are the only ones who give it away. And the sad part is that we give it away for sad reasons, for lame reasons. We say yes, when inside we feel no, for an illusion of security, for a false sense of acceptance. We play small, we stuff ourselves into smaller little packages so as to not rock the boat too much. And, and we settle for, for crumbs of pseudo love and it's not an effective strategy. Right, right. So uh, how do we, uh, we as general people transform our relationship to power and how do we stop cheating ourselves? and? selling out our personal power. You also talk about soulful power, soulful power. So what does that mean to you? Can you help us understand these topics? Uh, yes. These are part of us human beings, but, uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, these words can sound different to us, a bit more complex than we generally think they are. Uh, we generally should think that they are. Yeah, and that's what the... the the theme of this book that I published a couple of years ago, Awakening the Soul of Power. Um, right. And how do we let ourselves free from that from that prison of, of fear and lack and limitation? 
um, and, and the self-defeating belief systems and self-sabotaging behaviors that are all connected to giving our power away. So the first step is understanding that, that there are different kinds of power. So we tend to associate power with people who have money, people who are famous, people who are high up at some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some institution. But the thing about all those kinds of powers that because they're external, they're outside of us, they're fickle. Here today, gone tomorrow. As in contrast to what I call soulful power, you can call it spiritual powers or authentic power. It's the power that's inside each and every one of us. And that kind of power is like, again, nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. And so there are a couple, a couple of differences, like worldly power is associated with externals. It, it always has an agenda and it's hierarchical. So it's about power over others. Like you're gonna do it my way or the highway, it's sort of the, the cowboy mentality, if you would. Um, and it's always self-aggrandizing. So it's blowing itself, up, blowing itself up to seem bigger than it actually is. Contrast that with spiritual power, which is humble. It has nothing to prove to anybody. It's about service, it's about making a difference. So I think of, for example, and it's power with rather than power over. So it's not threatened by other people's power. Like if I know who I am and if, if I'm in my power, then I'm not threatened by you having powers. Like I can share it. I can, I can, I'm, I'm so confident in myself that I know I can handle anything that comes my way. So think of, you know, Gandhi or Gandalf, if you're into the Lord of the Ring movies yes, and, yes, the, I the, and the books and they're simple monastic robes, they're sandal feet. We would never know how much power they hold until it's necessary. And then get out of the way. Like, as, as you know, Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach without ever shooting a single gun or landing a single punch. That's power. And that's the kind of power that we all have access to. Right, right. Now, Christian, let me put the context of power in two different settings. We will keep political power aside for the time being. Uh, so... Uh, use of power or understanding of power in two settings. One is the personal relationship setting, uh, home settings, and another is the work setting. Now, the same sort of personal power, it differs. I may be, you know, almost defense, uh, defenseless at home. I will not behave the same manner the way I will behave in office. I don't have to exert power at home. Uh, but in office, it's a different setting. You've got to get work and you've got to do work. How do you see those two settings and see power according to those two, uh, two back backdrops? That is such a good question, AJ. And it's very insightful because that's one of the first questions. Like, so like that's the second step, actually. First step is understanding that there are different kinds of power. The second step in, in reclaiming our own power and, and transforming our relationship to power is understanding, becoming aware of what are our own patterns. Because like you're pointing to, for some of us, we give our power away in, in romantic, intimate relationships, or maybe it's family relationship with our spouses. For others of us, it's more related to 
authority figures. So maybe we give our power away when it comes to parental figures, which would include bosses, religious leaders, coaches, that kind of thing. So, so really important to like look at ourselves because we nobody can answer those questions for us. Only we can answer those questions. Like what are our own patterns? When do we give our power away? And I think majority of people tend to do that in the romantic, intimate, personal relationships, but not always. You know, a lot of a lot of people tend to give it away in, in more professional situations when it comes to a boss, those authority figures where survival stuff is more at risk. Um, and, and so it, it's a very personal thing, very individual thing. But the first thing is becoming aware of why we do the things we do, because if we can't see it, then we can't do anything about it. So if that's like a great practice for your for your audience to begin to to look at themselves and to look at their lives and to begin to observe the patterns. Like, when do I say yes? Because out of fear, right? It's it, okay. when and when do I do stuff because I'm seeking approval or seeking validation? And okay. and so so that's the what's one of the first steps to begin to see the patterns. Okay, okay. So this is the practice part. Will come. Uh, so, in the workplace setting, how does, uh, you know, even if you want to say no, uh, uh, but you still have to say yes, or, and especially in an economic situation like this, you will be suddenly out of job. How do you balance the power structure there? How do you be yourself and just uh, get along to be yourself where you are not uh, cheating yourself and selling out on your personal power. How does one that yeah. some tips yeah. there will help? Yeah, yeah. And there and that's a great question, too, because there are real life examples. And I can just a couple of weeks ago, I heard from um, a woman who was in a very similar situation to the one you're describing. She'd been working for this company for, I think, about 10 years. They got a new boss who was you know, there was a transitional time where the boss was trying to prove herself and trying to to like take charge of the team. And most of the leadership team had quit because they didn't like this person's style, which was very much this kind of power over. You're going to do it my way. And, and that's it. No discussion. So my my friend, my client who had been doing this year long coaching program with me, she was probably three quarters of the way through it she figured out a way you know she was already interviewing she'd had about 10 interviews she was going to leave too until she figured out you know what if i'm going to leave i might as well like how do i change how do i transmute my relationship with this woman with this with this with this boss and so she started she figured out a way like how to speak her piece and how to how to say what she thought you know in a graceful way and not like you know bucking systems and trying to challenge her but but figured out a way that she could be helpful, that she could be supportive and have very clear boundaries about what worked for her and what didn't work for her. And so she learned how to communicate this way. Long story short, the, the woman became like, started to really value her honesty and the fact that she wasn't sugarcoating answers and like really speaking her piece respectfully um, and that she, like she showed up as a leader. Um, to make the long story short, she just 
got a huge promotion. I got a redefinition of her job description, which is now much more in line with what she really likes to do. Um, so what happens when we reclaim our power? And, and, and it's a way to do it that's not, you know, like the, the worldly power, the ego power would have been to lock horns and to take everything personally and to challenge her or, or to do things behind, behind her back, right? To undermine her power by gossiping or, or by um, triaging with other, um, other employees to disempower the new boss. But she figured out how we do it directly compassionately, courageously, because yes, it takes courage. She, you know, the new boss could have said, well, you're out of here. Uh, but what happened was that she figured out a, do the, a way to do this gracefully in a way that the woman could see her value and could respect the fact that she was being the truth, speaking the truth and saying what she spoke, you know, what she believed in, speaking her piece. And so that's why she got a huge promotion. Okay. Okay, Christian. So your book, Awakening the soul of power now here when we generally talk of power we generally think of men but your book seem to focus more on you know uh, has a particular message for more, more of women empowerment and then and you have one small one chapter about men so what do you want to say through that can you help us understand uh, this particular aspect of your book. Yes, um, and, and I really appreciate your asking that um, and doing and having you're having done the research about this. The book is for everybody. We, we all struggle with power, no matter what kind of body we're in. But like you're saying, it has a particular message for women um, and about women's empowerment. And that stems from my belief that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. Right. It's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power, not disproportionately, not proportionally. Like men abuse it a lot more because we've been living in a patriarchal system for the last several thousand years. And it's not to give women more stuff that they have to do to to clean up the mess that that we've all created on this planet. It's because I believe that when women are in 50% of power, we don't want to go back to a matriarchal system. We want balance. And so I believe that when women are in 50% of power in the world, that we're going to have a very different relationship to all the challenges that we're facing. Poverty, hunger, how we treat the environment, war, peace, financial distribution, all of it. And so to me, it's it's more like a strategic approach to, oh, my God, how do we handle all the challenges that we're facing in this world? And I believe that that is one thing that we could do that would then impact everything else. And you're right about having about that chapter about what it means to be a man in the 21st century, right. because I feel like this patriarchal hierarchical pow power over system doesn't work for anybody, including men. And here's some interesting numbers about them, like, and, and not to minimize the price that women have paid, right, for this unjust, unjust system and of inequality um, over the last several thousand years. But here's the the way that that men are also paying a price for that. If you look at the at the rate of of suicide in the U.S., I don't have the numbers for these globally. Men commit suicide four times as frequently as women. And in fact, 
70% of the suicides in the United States are committed by middle-aged white men, which is the group that still holds the majority of the power in the world. And what is that? What's, what's up with that? You, you would think that that the group that holds the majority of the power would have the most benefits and would have will be most happy. But there's something that's off. Look at longevity numbers. And, and these are global numbers. Women outlive men in the U.S. by five years, globally by seven years. And I believe, AJ, that part of the reason that is because we have this mistaken, limiting ways of what it means to be a man. And so one to one example of that is like we, you know, little men are not supposed to feel emotions because, because we have this misunderstanding about the emotions that they're weakness and that only little girls cry, right? How many of us were raised believing that little boys don't cry? Right. Um, you got to be a man and you got to be, you know, stiff upper lip and you got to stuff it all. But there's a price to pay for that because what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy, now we know from quantum physics that it's true it's all energy that means that this chair i'm sitting on the laptop in front of me the mic the body the emotions it's all energy even though it might feel solid it's vibration and we know from physics too that energy cannot be destroyed so all those times that as all of us do but particularly men that we stuff those emotions that we don't allow ourselves to feel that stuff doesn't go away it gets lodged in the tissues of the body. And after years and decades of suppressing our emotions, we walk around with layers upon layers upon more layers of repressed emotional crap. And then here we are trying to have a relationship in the present. All of it is getting filtered through that repression of emotions and unhealed trauma from our past. Yikes. Like, I don't know how any relationships really have a chance of working because we haven't been taught how to hold them, how to approach them, and we certainly haven't been taught how to clear ourselves from that cauldron of repressed emotions. Because what happens then, AJ, and we know this particularly as a guy, that we suppress, we suppress, we suppress, and then the next unfortunate one comes by and they say something the wrong way or they do something, boom, volcanic eruption disproportionately to what the to what that the act was because we've been sitting on so much emotion that then the slightest thing just brings about an explosion and we cause harm to our relationships or suppress 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 those energies have to come out one way or the other and what happens is they start seeping out and showing up as physical symptoms as bodily symptoms heart attacks cancer ulcers and I think that's the part that's connected to the longevity um, factor. The reason okay. that, that men die sooner, because we walk around with all, you know, like these uncaring, unfeeling robots, and it's not an effective strategy. There's a price to pay for that. So who, who has made men like that? The suicide rates or the death rate among men is high. So what are we trying to change? Suppose you uh, change the so-called power equation. I don't call it in our culture. I don't call it a power equation. A relationship is a relationship. And, and that's a very, uh, very great sort of a feeling to have that, you know, pure relationship. So what are we trying to change in a relationship? Suppose if we give so-called power 
I don't see it in, the, in that sense. But suppose we give more power to women uh, in the family equation. What does that change? Does that reduce uh, the pressure on men? Will the death rate fall? Do you think that is what we are trying to do? Or what yeah. we are trying to do is to empower women more. But a lot of cases I have seen, I have understood, and maybe some figures that women are all in, in India, I'm telling about that in several cases, women are the one within the household who don't get along a lot many times. And that leads to a lot of discord and towards, you know, suicide and other things. And in India earlier on, we had a dowry system and all that. It's very less nowadays. But in any global context, if we see what are we trying to change in the when we are talking about power equation in relationships or within the household? It's, it's a great question because it, and it's very complex because what happens is because the system is unequal, right? Because women don't have the same rights, the same uh, benefits that men do in most cultures around oh, the world. Yeah. Uh, like even in the U.S., where according to to you know, to to legal rights, women should have fifty percent, but in reality they don't. They still don't. Right. Um, so what happens is when that 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 power gets suppressed in women, it it okay. turns into frustration. It turns into anger, understandably. And so the so so those power differentials, those power dynamics, then show up in the household. Right. So it's, it's sort of like 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 the kick the dog syndrome. Right. If we're, we're, we have a boss, whether it's a man or a woman and they're being unjust, they're being unjust, they're being unfair and and taking advantage of us. And then we don't say anything. Right. So we're saying, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Or yes, sir. Yes, sir. Inside, we're seething. We're angry with that situation, but we don't say anything about that. Energy has to come out. So then we go home and we take it out on the dog or we take it out on the wife or, or the other husband or we take it out on the kids. That energy is going to come out one way or another and it's, it comes out in unhealthy ways. So part of what I mean by women's empowering is beginning to balance things out right? so that it's 50%. We don't want to go back to a system in which the women have all the power either because then the, the men become receptful. And so that's one step is balancing things out. And because that and that's one of the reasons why we get stuck in power struggles, because one partner or maybe both partners feel like there's a power imbalance. So then they have to overcompensate and 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 and, and begin to be, try to balance those powers with unhealthy ways like passive aggressiveness, like um, or, you know, like passive aggressiveness is a great example of that. Okay. It's like, you know, maybe maybe the partner's like, tell me, hey, honey, can you come um, help me in the, out in the kitchen? And I'm watching TV. He's like, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Then 10 minutes later, hey, can you can you help me in the kitchen? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be right over in 10 minutes. What am I saying? Right. I'm saying, yeah, I'll be over in 10 minutes. But what I'm really saying is like, screw you. Right. I'll be there when I'm good and ready. And okay. that's passive aggressiveness or oh, not tonight, honey. I have a headache. Um, OK. And legitimately, maybe you do have a headache, but if it starts happening more frequently, it's a power struggle, right? It's like, okay. I, might, I might be saying, not to my honey, I don't feel like it, I don't feel well. Inside, I'm really saying, screw you, hell is gonna freeze over before you get anything. 
And those are unhealthy ways to try to balance out the power dynamics and right. work out right. the power struggles. Right. So part of what needs to happen socially, like culturally, is we need to also redefine what it means to be a man. Right. right? Because we've got these limiting and limited definitions of what it means to be a man. So, for example, many, many men have identity, right? Their, their identity is connected to being the provider, to, to bringing in the money, whereas right. maybe, the, the, maybe the, the female, and, and this is changing rapidly, but maybe the, the female is still identified with being the, the caretaker at home. Um, and, the, and these numbers are changing rapidly. In the U.S., I think like four years ago, in 40% of heterosexual households, the woman is making more money than the man. Right. So so that's part of the reason why so many men are having an identity crisis. Like, who am I right. if I'm not the breadwinner? And so but yeah. what a limited way of looking at at the role of what it means to be a man. Right? It's like, are, are you really going to tell me that you're defining your manhood by the size of your paycheck? It's like, please, like we are so much more than that. So part of what I'm what I do in that chapter that you were referencing is let's expand the definitions of what it means to be a man. So I looked at some of the traditional roles, like let's like, like the provider. Let's look at that one. It's like there are so many other things that we can provide that is some that are so much more important than a paycheck. So what if you were providing, for example, a safe space in the household, in your family, for people to feel like taken care of? Like people like you, like you are, you become the rock in the household that gives everybody else permission to, to explore who they are, to begin to, to explore different ways of being, to grow, to expand. Like that is infinitely so much more important than the size of the paycheck that you bring in. And so right. I do that with several of the, of the other, um, you know, archetypal roles or stereotypical roles that men have, 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 fulfilled throughout history okay okay Christian. so in the change circumstances uh who changes who changes the light bulb <laughs> anybody okay. anybody like whoever is like it doesn't take much to much to change a light bulb right okay. and and there are women who are really they're women i have so many women friends who are so much better than i am at, at technical stuff at, at at financial stuff like they're, they're much better managers than I am. Of course, um, of course. My wife is so much good at this technical stuff. I don't know anything. She puts tries to put everything in order. Otherwise, I would not be doing this podcast in any manner. Uh, not at all possible. So she is very good on this technical part of it. Uh, that's great. Yeah. That's what I mean. And it doesn't make me any less. I'm really good at some other stuff. Um, yes. So, so what if we approach our relationships, our partnerships that way? It's like, wow, here's what I'm really good at. Let's see what you're really good at. And then let's let's find a balance. How do we how do we you know, how do we explore like the best way? How do we maximize uh, this relationship so that right. so that we are both successful, so that we both like your wife supporting you with with the technology stuff? That's great. Yes. Not only the podcast means almost all things. Technology, I do. I I, I come in uh, in into help when there is a lizard or any mosquito or cockroach. On maybe that is because they look a bit different. Not that she's afraid, but you know they look much more slimy or something. So that's where I come in. So coming uh, coming to the uh, 
different part of this man-woman relationship. One is that what it is like going to be like, you know, a man and woman in, in coming day, times, maybe 10 years from now or in the 21st century. And one more question is that when these roles are changing, the power shifts, it becomes much more equitable. I would not say, you know, uh, rebalancing or something, but equitable where people can make choices. You know, financial freedom makes you take better choices and that also brings you, you know, equitable distribution of power within any setting. So what will be uh, when somebody says be a man or, you know, uh, be, be somebody, be, everybody wants uh, some masculine guy to be around around you. What does a healthy masculine, masculine power look like then? What a, what a beautiful question. And, and what that is all for, for all of us to explore. Like, what does it mean to be a man? Like, I know what it means to me. And, and, but, but here's what I can say is that, that our sense of self, our sense of, our sense of confidence is so strong. It is so established that it doesn't matter what we do, that it doesn't matter that we are so confident in our own power that, like I was saying before, you were not threatened by other people having power. Like I really respect the fact that you're not threatened by your wife being better at technology. Like that's great. That says a lot about who you are and your sense of yourself as a person and as a man, that you're not threatened by that. Like you no, know I, I must tell you, Christian, I've been journalist all my life. I know content about uh, content like at the back of my hand, but even podcast did not come to my mind until she told me that you can use your content, you know, knowledge, understanding from out of journalism and use this in doing podcast and doing more of creativity in content and all. And today I find this is like I found something which I have been looking for. So uh, people in healthy relationships can, you know, they not only they complement you in such manners yes. that you find yourself fulfilled. This is what relationships are all about, where there is no uh, no less or more. It is about making yourself, you know, together you put a structure together. There is no part which is less or more. That's what I understand. That's what I, uh, that's the thinking I believe in. And that's, that's what I believe in, right? Like what if we could imagine a world in which we all get to discover what our gifts are? What are we passionate about? What do we want to do with the short life that we have? How do we want to maximize and make the most of that amazing opportunity to be alive. And what if we could be the most that we can be regardless of gender, regardless of, of skin pigmentation, how much melanin we have in our skin, regardless of what we believe, how we worship, like ultimately none of that matters. Like that is so inconsequential. And we have so much, we put so much emphasis on superficial differences that mean nothing. Like, we talk about different races, for example. It's like we share, you and I share 99.999% of our DNA is identical. So there are not enough differences for us to be considered a different race. We're like one human race, one human family. And, and when we expand that thinking, we share our DNA, 98.6 of our DNA or 98.4 is identical to chimpanzees. 50% of our DNA is identical to bananas. So if we can start like focusing on what on the commonalities, 
on, on the fact that we're sharing not only humans, but that we're sharing so much with other species on this tiny, tiny, tiny pebble that is hurtling through this vast, unimaginably large space um, at thousands of miles per hour. And, and what if we start focusing on supporting all of us to be the most that we can be? And, and how we can start working together and making a difference on this planet because we haven't been paying attention. And it relates to power again to bring it back because we've had this power over relationship with the earth, this one, <clears throat> one bam, thank you, ma'am, relationship to Mother Earth. Like we're going to rape and pillage and extract all the resources without even reg having regard to our own survival on the planet. So that's part of what needs to change. We need to change the way that we see ourselves. And, and that's what I mean by, by this transformation of consciousness that we're living through, that, that is going to shift the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about each other, and the way that we think about the relationship to the planet. And it goes back to power. Right. Right, Christian. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, if you can recommend, you know, steps people can take on their journey of empowerment so that, you know, it's a better and happy planet for all of us. Yes. I mean, by my book, because I do that, I walk people by the hand, right? In understanding our relationship to power and how we can transform it and understanding why we do the things we do, understanding the ego that, that, and how we let ourselves free from its self-made prison of fear, doubt, limitation, reactivity, judgment, victimization. And, and once we understand those things, then we can begin to transform them. Right. So, right. and I walk the read, the reader by the hand, short chapters with practices, questions that they can do at the end of each chapter that are designed to implement, to like really integrate those teachings so that they don't stay at the level of information. We don't need more information. AJ, we got information overload. What we need is transformation. And that only comes from really taking on teachings and living them, integrating them into our life. And that, that's what I've also woven into that book. Absolutely, absolutely. Transformation is the word. So Christian, where do you, we get the book? How can people connect with you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they know more about you? Obviously it's, it's good that you talk about yourself on this. I will, on my side, put a, put whatever information I can on the YouTube description so that they can also reach you to them. Thank you so much uh, for doing that, AJ. I'm, I'm, I really, I'm, what drives me is, is this global transformation of humanity because I feel it's going to take all of us. Like one of us doing getting this is not enough or even a hundred of us. We need large numbers of people like really right. shifting the relationship to power and understanding who we really are. And so thank you for asking that question. The book is available wherever books are sold. You can get it. You can order it at your local bookstore or you can get it on Amazon. In terms of reaching me, uh, probably my website is the best way to do that. And it's soulfulpower.com, S-O-U-L-F-U-L-P-O-W-E-R.com. From there, they can access my social media. And for anyone in your audience who goes to soulfulpower.com, um, and gets on my email list. Um, we'll send them a sam sample chapter of the book. 
some of these power practices that we were just talking about and our guided meditation about personal empowerment and how we move into trust in, in these times of fear and chaos and uncertainty and global pandemics and war and all this stuff. How do we find trust in the face of all that? Right. How do we find trust in the face of all that we are experiencing that we will certainly uh, keep talking about a lot of stuff, including the political power part that we will certainly take up in the uh, in the in a future episode for sure. Uh, with this, uh, and thank you so much for joining in and sharing your tips, your understanding of different aspects of power, and you know how people can use this information for making their lives better and lives around them better. With this, with this. It's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you.